When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome to the second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you for being here. It is open line Friday, of course, so that means the lines are open. Funny how that works. 800-282-2882-800-282-2882 is the phone number. We said we would talk to you about woke Microsoft, which we will in a moment. You, you got to hear it. Uh, it's, it's Trust me, it's worth it. You're going to say, what? And you're used to probably hearing some pretty crazy stuff from corporate America. But this is all part of the discussion we're having here about where does the left go now? I mean, yeah, the Democrat Party, but the left more broadly. What do they do in response to this? And if you want to get a sense of what the woke left believes in this moment after their loss in Virginia, Democrats lost in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, a creature of the DNC, a part of the DNC machine, uh, losing to a political newcomer. How this happened? What should they do about it? Well, AOC, for example, is out there saying the real problem is they weren't progressive enough. On the election front, I actually think we have good news as well. I know that Virginia was a huge bummer. And honestly, if anything, I think that the results show the limits of trying to run a fully 100 percent super moderated campaign that does not excite, speak to or energize a progressive base. And frankly, we weren't even really invited to contribute on that race. Okay, so the the left wasn't fired up enough. This is what she's saying. It was too moderated is where I think she meant moderate Uh, Too too much of a moderate campaign. She says that was the problem. Meanwhile, people that have been in Democrat politics a long time are saying the party has lost its mind. I want them to listen to AOC. (laughs) I want them, Clay, to take the AOC approach. And what does that mean? I mean, how crazy can things really get? Microsoft is one of the biggest software companies in the world, obviously made Bill Gates, boo, made Bill Gates an ultra-wealthy billionaire many, many, many times over. Here's the kind of stuff that you hear at a Microsoft event in Seattle to start off their big online forum. 
Play 6. Welcome to Microsoft Ignite. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial. A people that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. Uh, Clay, it's can we just we, we paused it there? Immemorial, first of all, because Buck, we there were no humans living in North America until what, like fifty thousand years ago? I mean, if you actually study the the, the expected, I mean, I know, that, I know they're constantly evolving when people actually arrived in North America, but time immemorial is a hundred percent not true. But it's so weird and awkward that feels like a satirical opening to a super woke. Uh, like comedy special. Where do you go? I mean, who do you, who among the muckle shoot or the snow? I was writing them down. The Snoqualmie is this like a name, an, an area. So I at least know how to pronounce that. Okay, one. there we go. I mean, I know Chinook from that region. There's like the Chinook yeah. tribe because of Chinook helicopters, which I've ridden in back in the day. I know those. I never heard of the muckle shoot before. That's neither here nor there. Do, who do we go to beg for? Do we beg forgiveness? What do we do? What are we supposed to make of all this? But Clay, it actually now there. I want to play that part first because that's just clear woke insanity. And, and by the way, this is funny too, Buck, because you know there even in Microsoft there are a lot of people who think like us and we're like, hey, I don't know that we should begin our presentation by acknowledging that indigenous people used to live on these lands. But if somebody raised their hand and said that they would be afraid of being targeted and potentially losing their jobs because of cultural insensitivity. There's a huge percentage, I guarantee you, of Microsoft employees secretly listening to shows like ours that know in that boardroom, in that meeting, does anybody have any I, any qualms or, or, or disagreements with us beginning a meeting, like uh, beginning that big event like this? Tons of people would have said yes, but they were terrified to raise their hands and say yes. I think that's absolutely true. I also think that if I started this show, I mean, I can't speak to the tr the native tribes of, of Tennessee. You might know better than indigenous tribes of Tennessee. If I started this show, they're saying, I just want to apologize, everyone listening to Clay and Buck show for sitting here in this radio studio on, you know, Iroquois and Huron and, you know, Mohican land. I, I feel very badly about it. And do I do that every day? Forever. How long? What is enough? When have I? When can I be cleansed of my sins? When for, is your white guilt expunged? Yeah, well, when, when have you done enough? That's what I want to know. How does this go away ever? But Clay, then this part of it, there's a little bit of a dispute from the audio. People are saying that this, there's a reason for this, for some of it at least. It keeps going though in the wokeness. My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. And I'm Seth Juarez, program manager in the AI platform group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. Today we kick off two days of learning. Now, okay. Well, like, now I've been told that this is because they want people who are visually impaired. Uh, can't see to feel more included in that. Okay, I mean maybe, but there's also others that were said. So that that seemed I'd never heard that before. But they also were announcing their pronouns. Of course, for some reason it wasn't that audio. But they said, you know, my pronouns are he, him, and she, her, and all this stuff. And I just want to know, you know, how much of this does this have to be the preamble that we all go through all the time? 
If not, why not? What purpose does this serve if not to drown oneself in white guilt and then try to expunge it through virtue signaling for one's own benefit, actually? Buck, this is one of the all-time arguments to me that these companies are basically monopolies. Because if you have all of this time, you know, inside of Google, inside of Apple, to be sitting around having debates about things like this, which don't impact your business at all, then you are so powerfully economically as a company that you can overwhelm everyone else and still have time to have these debates and discussions and absurd uh, virtue signaling woke directives and it doesn't impact your bottom line at all, right? I mean, that's that's one of the intense competition would in theory a company obsessed with all this external signaling which doesn't go to the essence of what the company does would lose in a truly competitive marketplace to another company that would say, "Hey, we're just going to kick ass." And it's it's really kind of absurdly ridiculous that we've ended up in this place. And I think I think what you're starting to see when the New York Times is saying Democrats are basically too left wing. When you got you were you started off earlier talking about all the different people. Al Sharpton, did you see this? Al Sharpton came out and said, "Hey, I think we've gone too left wing in the Democratic Party." When Al Sharpton is like, "Hey, I think we've lost our sense of uh, reality." You're way out there in space cadet land. Clay, they're talking about trying to cancel or at least, you know, repudiate some of the work of the most successful black comedian of our generation. Yes. Who is a liberal who does not like conservative ideas overwhelmingly across the board, doesn't really like conservatives, quite honestly. Yes. Who says that white whiteness is what he's actually attacking with all of his work. Not good enough because he upset the trans community. So, yeah, they're starting to see that intersectionality, which is their belief system of everything is interlocking levels of oppression. Yes. And everyone's on a scale. There's a hierarchy. There's Where a victimization pyramid. That's right. And so you're constantly going to be in conflict, not only with the so-called top of the pyramid, you know, white supremacy in, in the thinking and the construct that they have. But also with each other, you're going to see that other groups who's truly victimized, who gets to actually determine what is acceptable discourse about about different things. I mean, this is this is another just moment of this Microsoft thing where they do the, the pronouns and also announce their ethnicities. Hello, everyone. I'm Natalie Godilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair and I go by she her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked. With this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello, everyone. I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. No, hold on. So the explanation that I saw online for this, I'm not even sure I bought it, is, is the visually impaired thing. I wanted to play that because they do the whole he, him, she, her, as if, yes, believe it or not, Clay, we knew. We knew from hearing. <laughs> we knew from their voices. I know this is a crazy idea. You can actually tell the difference between male and female voice 99 times out of 100. I know this is a shock to libs. But even with the visually impaired thing, why would they they feel discluded? Be, I'm not I'm not sure that really uh, – it seems strange to me. I've never heard that before. Well, this also just further ties in with your identity has become a modern form of royalty. Remember back in the day, and I, I think sometimes maybe people still introduce themselves, but somebody would come out and say – as the you know third Earl Rockingham fourth Viscount of the uh, Third Kingdom, I believe, and what gave legitimacy to your belief system 
was the title that you preceded the I believe with. Pay attention on television how often you hear someone say, as a gay Hispanic trans man, I believe. Well, why should I care? I mean, in terms of your opinion, I care about what you believe, but why should I care about the preface of your identity? Your identity should not give legitimacy to the arguments that you make. We have gone back in time in the same way that aristocracy used to use their bloodline as a legitimate basis for their opinions, which is what we revolted against in the United States. People now use their identities, which they were given at birth. It's not like you have uh, ended up choosing to be you know, black or white or Asian or Hispanic. You're born that way. I feel that part of the, the, the pushback and the backlash against critical race theory, for example, is that people realize from reality, from what they're experiencing in their day-to-day lives, that if there is, in fact, if we're going to talk about uh, systematic oppression, if we're going to talk about the difference that actually will come into play when you're applying for a job, when you're applying to school, the truth is, this is by the numbers, this is proven, this is going up to the Supreme Court, you are at a disadvantage applying for a job with the same credentials, and this is where SAT scores and other things come into account, to college, a disadvantage as a white male, a disadvantage as an Asian American male compared to other groups. And yet we're constantly told that the only systematic oppression that exists is in favor of the yes. very people for whom I can actually point to discrimination in hiring and discrimination in college admissions against white and Asian males. Yes. This, on the other side, it's, they'll it's look indisputably at, true that that occurs. Yes, that is a fact. That is yes. a fact. That is a reality. Yes. On the other side of it, they'll say, well, but there's disparate outcomes in different processes. There's not enough representation to that. I say, well, do we want quotas? Because if they're quotas, that means we're not the basing it on merit. Illegal. We're basing it on quotas. You can't yeah, have quotas it are illegal. And, and by the way, the argument here, which came out of the Lyndon Johnson Great Society, was that we needed to have forms of affirmative action in order to justify uh, redress for slavery and unequal treatment in the history of America. Then the question becomes, if you buy into that premise, which is effectively state-sanctioned racism, if you buy into that premise, the question becomes how long? Because right now, we are now 60 years, roughly, uh, into an affirmative action environment. And what has happened, as you rightly point out, Buck, and is why it's starting to blow up, is... Systems that were designed to initially just punish white people are now bringing in large large numbers of Asian people who are saying, wait a minute, we're a minority group who is being uh, discriminated against under yes. affirmative action policies designed to create more inclusion. And and there there's also a sense of resentment against the Asian American minority in this country from the left for doing so well, because that undermines your earlier point, the whole, oh, the system is so racist mantra. Really, that's it's impossible for people to succeed, except Asian people are kicking everybody's ass. The end of the work week is here. And the question I'd pose to you is this. How many days this week did you have really agonizing pain? I mean, it's an easy question. Up until now, finding the solution has been difficult, but we have one and it's called Relief Factor. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product that was made for you. Try it, please. Nearly 70% of those who try it over an initial three-week period go on to order more. 
Our friends at Relief Factor have developed a three-week quick start pack. You take Relief Factor three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three weeks. You'll know if it works for you or not. Clay, my dad loves it, helps with his knees, his back. He's out on the golf course, swinging away. My wife works out big time, hard all the time, helps with her recovery as well. It's why you should join Buck's dad and my wife and the more than half a million people that have ordered the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to get the 1995 three-week quick start developed for you. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800, the number for relief, relief factor. Feel the difference. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Hope you are having a fantastic Friday. About to be joined by Trump trade czar Peter Navarre. He is going to join us in the next segment. Then, the top of the third hour of the show, one of your favorite guests. We haven't had him on in a couple of weeks, but COVID is surging all over Europe as winter arrives in that in that continent. And the question is, will a COVID surge be coming again this winter in the United States? The data would seem to suggest that the answer is yes. 
Uh, so we will talk with Alex Berenson at the top of the next hour, the final hour of the show, Friday edition. Encourage you, go subscribe to the podcast. Trust me on this. Everything you could possibly want, you can listen to every guest, and we now have a best of that is up. So if for some reason you miss an entire show and you're trying to catch up, maybe it's the holiday season as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving, a lot more of you on the road, going to be a lot of people driving all over the place. It's a good option for you just to have something to listen to. You can go skip around, pick guests, pick subjects, pick topics that you may be intrigued by. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton's name as well. Updates from Capitol Hill. The Democrats began today very confident that they were going to pass both the infrastructure bill, which has already passed in the Senate, and would then go to Joe Biden's desk for his signature, and the House version of the new budget, this multi-trillion dollar package that is out there that is still not passed in the Senate. But... They now don't know whether they're going to be able to pass either, meaning we may head into another weekend. There is a demand from some moderates in the House that they want the full scoring of what this is going to cost before they vote. That might not be ready until Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. So, Buck, I mean, they've had so many different days where they have tried to put this bill up for a vote and they've had to keep pulling it back. You are optimistic or maybe pessimistic that they're going to pass it is the way well, that it I'm should go. I'm fatalistic that they're fatalistic. going. I'm That's fatalistic that they're going to get this through. And I'm, I'm not excited about the trillion. Yeah, uh, but I, I think they are going to get something through. They know they have to get something through. And all it really means is who caves, right? Are they going to if they hit the mansion number and they strip out, they're going to have to reconcile the bills between the House and the Senate side. But if they manage to do that, they're going to get something through, and then they'll spend the next, you know. 12 months, basically, telling everybody how magnificent and amazing this package was. I'm telling you right now, look, they had, you know, a decent month of uh, job growth this month. They had an abysmal one last month. Biden economy is just not going to get it done for folks. They're going to be trying to tell you this Build Back Better package is fantastic. They're wrong, and we're going to see it no matter how. So whatever the number is, Clay, it's not going to be enough, really, but they'll tell you it is. Look, if you're like me, you're quick to thank our military men and women, taking a moment to let them know how much you appreciate their service and sacrifice. Tunnel to Towers Foundation does the same thing by their actions. For nearly two decades, the Foundation team members have cared for our first responders and our servicemen and women who have fought the war on terrorism. Their work is nowhere near complete, and with your help and monthly donation, they're helping fallen soldiers find a new home specially constructed to accommodate a life-altering injury from war. As well, they're providing homes to families that lost a father or a mother on the battlefield. 200 homes, in fact, this year, and each one of them is mortgage-free. Think about what you can do in addition to sharing your heartfelt thanks with a military service member or first responder. You can take action. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Do good right now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We are going to be joined at uh, 2 o'clock by our friend Alex Berenson, the latest with COVID. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC said something. I mean, Clay will tell you, you, you would have had to bleep me if I were on air in real time. <laughs> and Clay sent that clip to me about masks and how amazing they are just in time for the winter season. Of course, we'll explain what's going on there. But first, we are joined by Peter Navarro. He's a former assistant to President Donald Trump. 
He is the author of In Trump Time, a journal of America's plague year out now. Navarro served as director of trade and manufacturing policy and the National Defense Production Act policy coordinator inside the Trump White House. Peter, thanks for being with us. Clay and Buck couldn't be more delighted. The the in Trump time thing, by the way, is an expression I coined early in the administration. I'd be sitting around with these bureaucrats and they'd be hemming and hawing. I go, no, 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 we're getting this done in Trump time, which is mean as soon as possible. And and that was that was kind of the 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 business sense and ethic that uh, Donald John Trump brought to, to Washington, and uh, we did get a few things done. We, we want to get back to that in a second. I, I did, though, Peter, if I could, want to get your sense as somebody who was director of trade and manufacturing policy in the previous White House to weigh in on what the heck is going on right now. We've got all these supply chain yeah. issues. People are seeing empty yes. shelves. They're seeing prices go way up. How is this happening, and what is the Biden, what is the Biden administration responsible for? What are they not? Well, what you're not seeing is anything on Capitol Hill and those frivolous spending bills that would fix it. What, what, what I focused on with the boss was buy American, hire American, bringing our factories back home and the supply chains would follow. That gives you resilient supply chains. What we have now is just the opposite, fragile and broken supply chains. And, uh, it's, it's basically, uh, attributable in many ways to the pandemic shock that you could see this stuff coming. Uh, and what I'm worried about is is not just the, the inflation that's coming, but also the stag part of that equation. Because you know, if you've got a computer chip that you got to get from China over to Detroit, and it's held up, and you start holding up production, worker productivity goes down. Right, that drives up effective wage inflation in a bad way because workers aren't making it anymore. And in the meantime, the economy slows down because you can't get the cars off the assembly lines. What we need to do, and what the Biden regime is incapable of understanding, uh, is secure our supply chains here. Focus on it. You know, the idea that the Department of Transportation secretary would be be sitting at home, leaning in a recliner for like two months. Well, the worst supply chain crisis emerged uh, ever is just abominable. So a lot of this is leadership. When I was when I was in the White House and the pandemic hit, I, you know, I went from like twenty four twenty four seven to like forty eight. I mean, it was just crazy. Like you 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 stay on the ship, you get your job done. So they need to focus on uh, the problem rather than to blame uh, everybody else for it. I think that's such a good point. If Peter Navarro with us right now, uh, if you would or any other person working for Donald Trump had walked in and said, hey, my wife just had a baby. I'm going to be out for the next two months staying home on paternity leave. What do you think his answer would have been? <laughs> the boss would have said, yeah, have a good time uh, and uh, we'll see you later. And, and it, yeah, there would have been somebody else in that job uh, in Trump time, which is to say quickly. Uh, now, that, now, look. That, that, I never was a Buddha judge fan. I always thought he was kind of goofy and ethereal. But to have such poor judgment, like, like, I, you know, the first three years of the, the administration, uh, I was the, the lead on uh, trade manufacturing and things like China tariffs and things like that, steel and aluminum tariffs. I got, I when the pandemic hit, like, I had to change into like what effectively was the quartermaster. Uh, of, in the war against the pandemic, it wasn't my skill set, but th- you know that was the mission. That's what the in Trump time book is about. How we grapple with that, but it was all hands on deck, 
And this, I'm telling you guys, this supply chain crisis and this labor market we're facing, now I'm a macroeconomist. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. I got a few clicks on me. And um, unless we commit to bringing um, our supply chains home, the other thing, you know, the universal vaccination policy, I mean, look, I don't, I think it's, I, I think it's insane. I, I, I'm not anti-vaxxers. I was one of the guys who helped create the vaccine. Uh, but even if you support that universal vax policy, you have to acknowledge the labor market and economic consequences. You know, when you're, when a fraction, when a significant fraction of your longshoremen, food processors, truckers, uh, not to mention uh, police, fire, and Navy SEALs, are, are getting fired or, or laid off because they don't want to abide by that at a time when you're already facing 10 million job openings uh, that we don't have and a slowing economy and soaring inflation, um, you, don't, you don't pursue that kind of universal vax policy. And one of the key villains in the In Trump Time book is the god of lockdowns and mandates. That's, that's Tony Fauci. And uh, I, I'm just, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I faced him head on, and I'm so sick of having to listen to that little twit when, in fact, he's responsible for the pandemic. I proved that in the In Trump Time book. So everything's going wrong. We're going from the best president in modern history to the absolute worst. These people are clueless, and they don't understand anything about how to solve these problems. It's, it's in many ways, it's frightening. Peter, I was at an event last night. There were over 1,200 people there. You know what they started chanting? Fire Fauci. So, yeah, trust me, a lot of people recognize it. I, I loved every second of it. We're speaking to Peter Navarro, former right? assistant to president. Hold, hold on a second, Peter. i got to give the plug for your book. One sec. Uh, former assistant to president Donald Trump and author of In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. Now, Peter, you want to jump in? Go ahead. No, no, exactly. Where they actually started from fire Fauci. Yeah, we're yelling fire Fauci I'm, I'm, when I was giving the speech. Yeah, people that. realize that he is an evil totalitarian yeah. smurf, or at least that's what I call him, and that yeah. he has done tremendous yeah. damage to the economy, and that he is not honest with people. That he never yeah. says even the craziest restriction goes too far. And there's yeah. there's enormous psychological and economic impact, and I think people are still just <laughs> figuring out what it is. Well, the, the interim time book should deliver the, the final moral blow to this guy and put him in jail because um, in, in the book I describe how as early as January 2020, Fauci knew that that virus came from that Wuhan bioweapons lab and that he was likely responsible because it was he who not only funded that lab, but authorized those the gain-of-function research experiments that Rand Paul talks about, where you turn like a harmless bat virus into a human killer. And I sat, you know, I was the only guy, really, if you think about it, I remember the history, I was the only guy in the administration willing to take him on publicly. Almost got fired for it once, but I knew from the moment I looked into his his pretty blue eyes there that that man was pure evil. And, and the lie of omission to not tell us that that thing probably came from the lab and that he was responsible. If he had told us that, guys, in, in, in January 2020, millions of people would be alive today because we would have cracked down on China to release the, the, the original genome of that virus, and we could have uh, uh, designed a, a, a better vaccine, one much more quickly, and been that much more prepared that much more quickly. I got, Fauci, the mission of Intron book, one of them, is to, is to put Fauci in jail. The second one is to hold the commies, communist China, accountable financially for all the harm they've done to us. 
I, I, I love all this, by the way. You are, you are <laughs> killing it. Like, yeah. So from your perspective, Trump yeah. has now said, I wish I had fa- fired Fauci. The problem, Buck yeah. and I talked about this earlier this week, when Biden became president, he would have brought Fauci back and it would have been like Fauci was a conquering hero for all the idiots out there who've been trying to follow all of his advice, yeah. which has been bad advice very often for the economy and for the country. Once Fauci got a public profile, other than and he's so political now, and he's always been political, but now he's protected by the Democrats, he should have to resign. He's not going to resign. How do we get Fauci out at this point? Well, well let me tell you the inside story that I tell in the In Trump Time book. I actually told the boss twice to fire Fauci, and the first time was after I came out of the sit room, the situation room, um, the boss had sent me there to, to uh, argue on behalf of his travel ban on China, which would save millions of lives. And Fauci was the guy I was fighting. I came out and I went straight to the Oval. It's like, dude, it's just like this dude is like he's dangerous. He's toxic. He was opposed to the initial China travel ban. Yeah, yes, he was. And it, it's a great scene in the book. It's chapter two. Yeah, I go in there and then, yeah, there's like, I, I, I knew like Mulvaney was going to be against it. I had one of Pompeo's hacks I would fight. Uh, see if you can get this one, the Orville Redenbacher doppelganger. That would be Robert Redfield, the guy at the CDC. You know how I'm talking about. But anyway, Fauci's there and he's just like Flaubert's parrot going, travel vans don't work, travel vans don't work. I go, wait a minute, dude. Called him, dude. It's just like, you mean, if 20,000 Chinese nationals a day are coming into Kennedy and LAX lit up with, a, with the Wuhan virus, you want them to keep coming in? Yeah, what, what is wrong with you? It, 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 so that's how I first met him. Didn't know he walked on water. Didn't know he was God. I took the measure of that guy, and it was like, he thinks he's smarter than he is. He's going to hurt this country. And, and what I didn't know then is that he had actually funded that friggin' lab in Wuhan. He had authorized those gain-of-function research experiments behind the back of the Trump administration, I might add, all documented in the In Trump Time book. And if, again, if he had just told us, so I, I, but I, you know, I don't blame the boss for not taking my advice. The villain in that piece is you had all four of the big four health guys, like you had Han at the FDA, Redfield, CDC, Azar at HHS, uh, saying, yo, he's, he's God, keep him. But most important, I blame Mulvaney, the, the, the acting chief of staff, because he didn't have the stones to take the blowback. Yeah, I, yeah, to me, it was like a one or two day story. It's like, but his press team were like, like little lamb sheeps. Mulvaney was a scared little baby. It's like, oh, don't fire Fauci. He's God. Too much blowback. No, 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 no. I was like, like, like Churchill on Hitler, like strangle that Fauci baby in the crib. And uh, like, how do you fire him now? It's like, I'm coming at him hard. I mean, his approval rating's gone from over 70% down into the toilet with Biden in the 30s. And if people read the In Trump Time book, that guy's in gone. He's in prison. And if you don't believe me when you read the book that Fauci should be in prison, here's here's my offer, guys. I'll give you double your money back. Uh, Peter, I'm going to go get a copy <laughs> of this book like, yeah, right no now. Kidding. Clay and I are really, really appreciative of you joining us here and lightening up. And so much of what you say here is just ringing so true. In Trump Time, a journal of America's plague here. Peter Navarro, former assistant president Trump. Sir. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Good luck with the book. You guys are fun. Take care.
we're fun. He's all that was. That was I mean, wow. I was, he brought a flame. Man. He brought a flamethrower. I thought we were going to have a little marshmallow roast, and he brought in a flamethrower. He, he came in there. It was like I he suited it. up like uh, Schwarzenegger and Commando, ready to go. I love it. <laughs> Uh, we also love our dogs. I'm the first one to admit it. You know that. We want to take care of our pets. One way to do that is to make sure they eat the right things. Most dog food, for instance, is manufactured to be able to sit on supermarket shelves for a long time. That's dog food without any live nutrients, and that's not healthy. The solution is Rough Greens, a healthy supplement you put into your dog's food with plenty of live nutrients. Our food has plenty of live nutrients, as you know, human being food, so it stands to reason that dogs need those live nutrients, too. This is the stuff your dog needs. Probiotics, enzymes, vitamins, omega oils, healthy microbacteria. How do you get it in there? You just add Rough Greens into your dog's current food. It's an additive. You put it in your dog's food. It's amazing. Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, will make your dog's food healthier and make your dog feel better. What you get is a happier, healthier dog like our beloved Frenchie Tallulah in the Sexton household. That's what we all want, right? The folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love Rough Greens, they've got a special deal for listeners to this program. Go to roughgreens.com slash E-I-B, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash E-I-B. They're going to give you the first bag of Rough Greens free. All you pay is shipping. That's roughgreens.com slash E-I-B, roughgreens.com slash E-I-B. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit ClayandBuck.com for audio and transcripts of your favorite segments from today or any show. Share them and spread the word. Plus videos, articles, and more. ClayandBuck.com, inspired by Rush. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Man, Peter Navarre bringing an absolute, I mean, just sledgehammer. If you didn't hear that interview, we're going to have to clip it and share it. It'll be up at clayandbuck.com. It'll certainly be out trending on social, I would imagine, as well. And also, uh, you can go listen to everything on the podcast. Buck, it's not only him, by the way, who's creating waves. Aaron Rodgers and Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director. So a wide range there. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packer quarterback who was tested positive for COVID, just went off on the NFL COVID policies and explained why they're so broken. We're going to play a cut for you with Alex Berenson. And honestly, it's a crazy world when the Green Bay Packer quarterback is making more sense than the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, who came out and said masks will basically still prevent COVID from being an issue. I mean, the thing that she says, just we're getting a little, uh, we're giving a little bit of a preview away here or a little bit of the uh, the punchline away. 80% protection for Matt. She is out of her mind. I mean, that is completely insane. There are literally dozens of control group studies that have been done, not even just during the pandemic, but before it. None of them show that. I mean, this yes. is fantasy land stuff. This is the head of the CDC. This isn't some random CNN blue check idiot doctor. Plenty of those running around. This is the person we're supposed to listen to. The experts are idiots, Clay. That's where we are. Not only are they idiots, idiocy would be like, hey, maybe I'm not well informed. They theoretically have access to all of the best information, and they are choosing to lie to you. This reminds me of, remember when Joe Biden took office? One of the first things he said is, and you can do your Joe Biden voice better than I can, but he said, hey, yeah, if you wear a mask for 100 days, COVID will go away. Do you remember that? Yeah. Remember that cut, Buck, when he was like, 100 days of masking, COVID disappears. We're, we're going to get into all that with Alex Barron's in a second, the Aaron Rodgers and everything else. I did want to just get this call real quick from John in Delaware because it answers the wokeness excuse yes. that they came up with. John, thanks for joining us. You you say you know that this is nonsense. Tell us why. Not, not only is it nonsense, Buck, by the way, you guys have big shoes to fill and you're doing an excellent job. I am legally blind and I am visually impaired. I have Stargardt's disease. I've had it since birth. And these people are offending me. Uh, they're not going to turn me into a victim and, and use me and my disability for an excuse for their weird, exotic, bizarre behavior, man. So, John, when they, when they say they're describing what people look like and their ethnicity to help visually impaired people as a visually impaired individual, you're telling us that's bull crap. It's, it's nonsensical. It doesn't make a difference in the world. If you can't see, you just can't see. I don't need you people to explain to me how you look. They're just trying to victimize us like they do with everybody and anything, man. John, so and John, God bless. Thanks for calling in and telling us, you know, dropping some truth bombs here on the libs and helping us out with it. We appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Clay, I'm, I'm pretty pumped because you know, you know how far I get super fired up about masks. Masks really tick me off, as you know. And CDC Director Walensky, we got Alex Berenson coming on. We got to drop some truth bombs here, too. And Aaron Rodgers, 
is absolutely getting savaged for saying a lot of the same things we say on this show. Maybe he listens a little bit. Maybe Maybe he's a listener. We'll welcome him on, too. A lot of other people were willing to have real conversations, not just scream at you all sorts of lies. Next, Berenson. Yep. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 